We'd like to welcome everyone this morning into the house of the Lord to worship him, to praise him and to hear his gospel message that he has for us all. Um, the thought came to me this morning as I was sitting on the side there. I said, I wish every Sunday we could have this many people in the church. <laughs> um, but God will provide one day that that could happen. But we thank the Lord and you all for coming and to to share in this uh, beautiful worship service, our traditional Messiah program in different churches on the Sunday, who happens to be Toronto today. And we're thankful for that, for the many that are here. And we'd like to welcome everyone. And um, before I get into any other announcements, I just want to take time for greetings, because I do know that uh, some people will be leaving uh, after lunch, and we'll give you an opportunity now to extend your greetings from your respective congregations. I'd like to uh, introduce Brother uh, Thomas Nitz for those that don't know him, or she do know him. Uh, he's ha having the message this morning, Lord willing, and keep him in prayer, please. And we'll start off with you, Brother Thomas. Uh, bring greetings from the brethren in uh, Strasbourg Road, Kitchener. Thank you, Brother Thomas. Any other greetings? Thank you, Brother. From Mansfield, Ohio, Tony. Greetings from New Jersey. Sister Ginny Bossett, she's uh, probably the oldest member here in this congregation. <laughs> We're so thankful you could come. Any other greetings? Greetings from West Akron. Greetings from Thank you, Brother Misha. Greetings from Beverly Hills. Greetings from Beverly Hills. Thank you. Greetings from Harrow. Thank you, Brother Sam. Greetings from Brunswick Hills. Greetings from Brunswick Hills. Thank you. And greetings from Avon Road. Greetings from Ancaster. Thank you. Greetings from Richmond Hill. Thank you. Greetings from Syracuse. Greetings from Syracuse. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Sister Natasha. Greetings from your mother and from Phil and Oli Mrkšić. Thank you. Sorry, I missed something. Windsor. Greetings from Windsor. Thank you. Thank you. <coughs> Sister Nina, right? Thank you. <coughs> greetings. Thank you. The greetings from the Jaravines, brother Alan, Sister Monica. Thank you. Also, greetings from my wife, Millie. Um, many of you know she was hospitalized this week, um, surgery, and she extends greetings to everyone, and thanks for all your prayers and for all your support, and uh, we certainly appreciate that, uh, that support. Any other greetings? If not, we'll just have a few brief message, uh, announcements before we go into the, into the day. Um, <clears throat> Focus of the month for this week, for this month, December, is the European projects. Uh, announcement for the uh, lunch after services for which everyone is welcome. Um, the seniors should be first excused uh, and to get into line. They should be having their lunch in the multi-purpose room at the back as usual. It's a sort of a priority area, quiet, um, and uh, we'll reserve that for them. When you're finished eating, please 
come upstairs so that others can have uh, time and room to eat. Uh, see the kitchen staff for gluten-free options, okay? So see the kitchen staff for gluten-free options. And um, we're thankful for everyone that could prepare for this day for, for that. I don't know if I've missed something. If I uh, haven't, we'd like to go into the, We've got a, a full uh, uh, agenda today. So please be in prayer for Brother Thomas as he leads us in the Word of God. Before we begin, let's uh, turn to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to lift up your name in praise, even though we are so unworthy. And we thank you, Father, that you inhabit the praise of your people. And may our hearts be tuned to your Holy Spirit. May they be obedient and listening. And as we would open the word, and as your spirit would teach us from the word, we pray, Father, that we would hear the lesson and that we would look upon the one who was prophesied from the very beginning, the one whom we celebrate at this time, and the one in whose name we pray, Jesus Christ. We thank you so much, Father, that uh, we have this word, and um, we have this opportunity as brethren to gather together and as friends. And may the fellowship that we would share one with another, may the time that we spend together in this day be a blessing that would please your heart as well as you see your children rejoicing and may it be a strengthening for each of us as well as we hear the name of Jesus lifted high we thank you for all these things father and we pray all these things and we look forward with anticipation to the blessing that your spirit would have for us we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 2. Not a great surprise that we'd be turning to Luke, but what maybe is a bit different is the focus that we're going to have today is the... Um, Later on in the chapter, verse 22, beginning, um, when Mary and Joseph were coming and presenting Jesus in the temple. So a, a story that's always been very, very dear to my heart, and I've never had a good opportunity to preach on, on this, uh, this story, but um, for some reason it's always been very uh, dear to me, and this is really focusing on uh, Simeon and Anna. <clears throat> So let's look at uh, Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 21, actually. And the scriptures read, And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, 
and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For my eyes, mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Aser. She was of great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she came in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spoke of him to all them that looked for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. May God bless the reading of the word. Can you imagine that it's been revealed to you, the Holy Spirit speaks to you, and tells you that you are going to see the redemption of Israel. That you are going to see the consolation. The consolation means to be comforted or to be um, relieved from your anxiety or your stress. At this time in the, in the nation of Israel, they would have been very aware of the prophecies in Daniel that would have spoken of the 70 years and this time uh, of the fulfillment of the 70, uh, 70 weeks rather, um, was coming close. Uh, it was sometime they knew it was going to be here soon. And so I can only imagine that the time was heightened, that their attention was heightened to be looking for what was going to come, this Messiah that had been prophesied. And in fact, the 438 years um, were fulfilled in Jesus' lifetime sometime. That would have been the end of that time. But the time of the, the people would have been looking They would have been eager with anticipation. The time would have been rife for this expectation that the Messiah would be coming. And and it was no different with Simeon, except that he had been told that, in fact, he would live to see the day when the Lord's Christ would appear. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being uh, given that promise with that hope? You know, we, we find hope and we're excited when we, we go on vacation or you know, perhaps camp is coming and we're leading up to it and we're, we're hearing of the different lessons and things and, and we're eager and we're anticipating this and it's exciting, right? Can you imagine what Simeon would have felt? That the consolation of Israel is coming and he is going to live to see it. What the prophets and, and the... the uh, um, 
Uh, Moses and the prophets had all spoken uh, prior to this. You know, the, the consummation of, of the, the hope of Israel was uh, going to be here soon. And then when we he read here how he came into the temple and, and the, the Holy Spirit prompted him, you need to go into the, uh, to the temple. You need to go. And, and what was he thinking? I don't know what he was thinking. In humanity, I would have maybe been inconvenienced. Maybe I would have like, oh, I don't want to go today. I've gone so many times. But no, his hope was still vibrant. His hope was fresh. His hope was inspired. And there, then he sees Joseph and Mary coming with the baby. And the Holy Spirit would have indicated, this is the one. And then he takes the child and he holds him up. And this is so precious to me. I don't know why it's so precious to me. It's not that, that uh, you know, I've had an experience like this, but I have this deep longing. I have a deep longing in my heart for the things of the Lord. And, and I know that oftentimes my life doesn't show that and oftentimes I get distracted and oftentimes I feel like I've, I've lost the focus and I'm not looking for the consolation per se or I'm not looking for uh, the, the Lord to show himself in this day. And yet I have this deep longing and a longing for uh, this communion with God and a longing for to be with him in eternity. And so I always loved this story, and I always loved the thought that he was looking at salvation. He was looking at the Messiah. But much, much more than just the beauty or the romance or the, the, the drama of this moment, of, of this old man coming into the temple, this old man who had a history and life of being faithful, it says that he was devout, and that he um, just and devout, it says in verse 25. And, and so this man who had you know, been following the law and, and, and is uh, living according to uh, the, um, the way that God wanted him, just even as Mary and Joseph, right, you even see that she waited the, the 40 days until she had been purified, and, and then they were coming to uh, make a, a sacrifice uh, to present Jesus these were, uh, in a sense, men and women, we're seeing here, men and women who wanted to honor the Lord, wanted to do what was right, with how they understood that this is what I need to do. This is, in order to be obedient, in order to be uh, pleasing, I want to come and I want to offer the appropriate sacrifices and so on. So they had this in their heart. And, and then he comes, uh, Simeon comes and he sees them. And, and finally, finally he gets to see do we have that longing in our hearts? Do you and I long for the things of the Lord? Do we long for salvation, to be able to hold him in a sense, to be able to uh, uh, encourage with the words of the Lord, with pointing men and women to Jesus Christ, with showing the world, this is the salvation of the Lord. This is the one who will bring light to the Gentiles and is the hope of Israel. Do you and I have that longing? Do, we and, do you and I uh, live our lives in such a way that uh, we're, we're dedicating ourselves in a sense? We're, we're, we're coming to the temple often in a sense where we, we're, we want to see the consolation. Do you live your lives? Now, we're not going to the temple but you're going to school, you're going to work, you're in, you're in your house, you're in your, your community. And do you have that same desire to show people, to hold up Christ, 
as it says, he picked him up in his arms and, 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 he, and he took him up in his arms and blessed God and then gave this prophecy. Unfortunately, I don't have that. Not the way I ought to. I want to. I long to. May we have the same uh, longing and, and live our lives in a just way, in a devout way to the Lord, so that it just so naturally comes to us that we hold up Jesus to a world that needs to see him and, and show them who is salvation. And now us thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. See, it wasn't about Simeon. As much as I love the character of Simeon, and I think this is a beautiful story, Simeon knew who, who he was. He knew his place. He said, this isn't about me. You have fulfilled your promise to me, which was more than I ever could have expected, and I'm ready to go. You have done your part, and I have seen this more than I deserve, and I'm ready to go. He wasn't clinging on to his business. He wasn't holding on to the things of this earth and saying, no, 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 just a little bit longer. I want to stick around. He said, no, no, I have seen it. I'm happy. I'm satisfied. This deep longing in my heart is done. And he went. And that's a beautiful thing about people, brothers and sisters, when they are standing at that edge of, of death's door and, and they're happy to go. They want to go. And, and oftentimes, especially when it's somebody close to you, you're like, oh, no, please, just a little bit longer. They're like, no, let me go. I'm at peace. Let me go. What a beautiful thing that we have. What a beautiful promise that we have as believers in Jesus Christ, as his disciples, that when we go, this isn't the end. This isn't, uh, this isn't victory for the world. This is victory for me. It says in verse 30, For my eyes have seen thy salvation, the salvation of Israel, the salvation to the world. See, when it says that he was looking for the consolation of Israel, they were in a, being an oppressed people. They had an illegitimate king in Herod, and they were oppressed by the Romans. And so a lot of the people misunderstood the coming Messiah as one who would come and would free them from the shackles of, of actual slavery or, or this oppression that they were under. They weren't actual slaves, but they were uh, ruled over by the Romans. And, and so... You know, they had some liberty, but this was not who they were as a nation. This was not how they were supposed to live. And so they longed to be free of the oppressor. And so they were looking for, and, and many people came, and some of the zealots and so on, and wanted to actually fight against the Romans and to be free of the tyranny of the Romans. And so, you know, a lot of people, as they were looking for the Messiah, were looking for physical freedom. But the consolation that Israel was going to have is that they would be free, not from the physical bonds, not from the shackles in this earth, but that they would be free to worship, that they would be free from sin, that they would be free from the darkness of this world, and that the darkness of this world could not hold them in bondage anymore. Romans 6 tells us so eloquently how we are no longer under the bondage of sin, but now we are rather slaves to God. We are in His dominion not the dominion of sin. And this is the consolation. And I believe that Simeon knew that. And even as he looked at Jesus, he didn't look at him as just like a little baby wrapped in, in the, the, uh, the, the typical 
garb of whatever it was. I was going to say swaddling clothes, but that was when they put him in the manger. But however they would, I don't even know how they would have wrapped a, a little baby, but they did. And so here Simeon looks at him. He is saying, wow, one day this one will be salvation. One day that this is going to. No, he recognizes him and says, I have seen thy salvation. The one who is slain from the foundations of the world was laying there before him. The one who had accomplished salvation already was there before him. And he recognized that. It says also in verse 32, A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people, Israel. This light to lighten the Gentiles. We hear a lot about the light. Jesus is the light. If we look in the Gospel of John, in the first chapter, John speaks of him as the light. In verse 7, now this is speaking of John and how some looked at John, especially in this time when they were all looking for this Messiah, looking for the one who would lead them out of captivity. John came with these uh, powerful words and they, they could tell that he was a man from God. But it says then, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. In Isaiah, <clears throat> and we'll sing about this, I think we'll sing about this today. I'm not sure exactly if the program will cover it. But in Isaiah 60, chapter, or verses 1, 2, and 3, it says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and the gross darkness of the people. So this is the condition that the, the Messiah would come into where there's darkness all over the earth. And this is so similar to today. It's not like it's a one-and-done thing. This is the condition that we live in today. And you only have to look around you and, and to, to take, bear witness to some of the media and some of the, the... Look with our own eyes. We can see the, 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 the darkness all around us with our own eyes. We don't need anybody else to tell us about it. How about the darkness that's in your own life? Is there darkness in your life? Is this what separates you from God? Because it says in 1 John that he is light and in him is no darkness. And the darkness and the light cannot have this fellowship one with another. And my dear friend, my dear brother and sister, is there darkness in our life? Or is our relationship with God being compromised because of darkness? My dear friend, you are stuck in darkness. And, and John talks about this darkness, and it says that men loved darkness because their deeds were evil, and they didn't want to have anything to do with the light. They were ashamed. They don't want the light to shine on them, so they rejected the light. And that is a condition of so many people. Don't look at me. Don't look carefully at my life. I don't want your religion. I don't want this character of Jesus because he makes me feel bad. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to the light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. 
This is a promise, and this was very, um, at the time when, when Luke would have been writing this, the Gentiles had no part. This was a, a Jewish religion, and, and uh, all the promises to the Messiah, and, and of the Messiah, sorry, and, and to the people were to the Jews. And, and so, even though it was written in the Old Testament, even though, in example, in Isaiah 60, where it's speaking of how the nations will come, how here in the light will be given to the Gentiles, this was very uh, disruptive to the people of Israel. Because the Gentiles, the only way that they were allowed to be part of the promise was that they would convert to Judaism. But this is not the case. This was now, it says here, and the light to lighten the Gentiles. The light that shone in the darkness. The light that exposed the evil deeds of men and women. The light that brought the knowledge of truth would come to the Gentiles. And we see that in, in the rest of the uh, New Testament, how the light went out from Jerusalem through the persecution of, of the believers. Further and further it went into uh, Judea, to Samaria, and then to the outer parts of the earth, it says. And we see through the, the faithful uh, work of the apostles uh, how the, the gospel was spread further and further and further. And we see the evidence of it even now. You and I, all of us, are of Gentiles. Uh, Gentile descent. We're not Israeli. The light has come to us. The light will come to you. The light will expose the, the, the darkness. Expo and, and it's not just the darkness. You know, we think oftentimes of the darkness in, the, in the, the sense of the evil deeds that happen. But the darkness really comes from the lack of understanding the truth. Believing the lie. Because from that comes the darkness, comes the evil deeds, comes the, the, the vanity and the pride, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. Not, not because you, you uh, these are all rooted in the darkness, which is the lack of understanding of the truth. Not knowing the truth. Jesus says, I have come to bear witness of the truth. He is that truth. He is the truth that there is another king. That by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he has established his kingdom. And the enemy of our souls has been defeated. And that all power has been given unto him in heaven and on earth. There is no longer somebody here on earth who has rule. All power is given unto him on heaven, in heaven and on earth. The, new, the kingdom of God has been established in this world, and now he is the one who sits on the throne. And that is the truth, and that is the beauty of the gospel, that we can be free from the, the, the dominion of sin, the rule of sin that holds us and binds us. And, and we want to be different. We want, we, I don't want to be miserable and, and suffering and yet here I am, I'm, I'm miserable and suffering, and then the gospel comes, and it gives me this light, and it shows me this truth, that I don't have to do this, that I can be free from this, and it's all through the person of Jesus Christ, this little baby that Simeon's holding and says, this is salvation. Now I have, my eyes have seen thy salvation. A light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. The glory of Israel. In Exodus chapter 19, we see on the other side of the sea, God makes a covenant with the people of Israel. And he says, you will be a nation of priests and, and a holy people, he says. 
They were the priests. They were the ones who were given this special relationship as a people, as a, as a, a, a people who would come before the world and bring the good news. They would be, in a sense, the representatives of God. Through them would come the oracles of God. We, the prophets, the, uh, the apostles, all of them. And we have the word of God and the promises of God that came through the people of Israel. But more than anything, we have the promise of the Messiah who would come through Israel. And here in the temple on this off day was the glory of the people of Israel. The thing that they would be able to look to and say, this is our glory. More than anything else that we've done, more than any other accomplishments that we have done as a nation, this is the glory of Israel. The Messiah has come, and he has come through the people of Israel. There were a few faithful people still in Israel. There was a remnant in Israel. See, not all of Israel was faithful. There was many who looked for uh, uh, the, the the redemption of Israel through physical things. They, they had turned from God. And if you look through the Old Testament, it's such a sad read how often the people of Israel turned their backs on God, turned their backs on God, and, and rejected him as their, their king, as their, their lord. But yet there was still some faithful. The glory of thy people, Israel, Simeon holding this little one. This was the glory of Israel. This would be the one thing that would, they could look to that is the true glory of Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother. And see, I oftentimes, I, I, I don't even read this next portion because I love so much the, the first part of what uh, Simeon said but then it takes a darker note or a somber note here. And he says, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul. He's addressing Mary here. That the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. This child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. Jesus' life, the message that he brought, being a, a, a witness of the truth, as he says in, uh, when he was before Pilate, this was not going to come easy. This was not going to be just readily accepted and like, oh, hallelujah, the Savior is here, the Messiah has come. We know what happened. We know how the Pharisees and the, the, the Jewish leaders turned against Jesus. They, they were corrupted by power. They, they saw their own power slipping away. And so they, they decided that they were going to uh, reject him and they were going to kill him. And they, they did, in fact, not knowing that they were doing actually the very thing that needed to happen. But Jesus comes and many people will fall. It says in Isaiah chapter 8 uh, that uh, he is a, a rock of offense, a stumbling stone. And that's repeated again in the New Testament as Paul talks about in Romans, how he came and, and he wasn't widely accepted. But this little baby would represent a, div a divisiveness, a divisiveness that, that comes from being confronted with the truth. 
And many of you and, and many people in this world, they hate the thought of, of the, the gospel because it's offensive, because it doesn't pull any punches, so to say. It's, it, it, it paints a picture of us that's really, really ugly. And even for us, brothers and sisters, it's hard for us to look in the mirror of the word at times, is it not? When we see ourselves, when we see how we have uh, perhaps been less just and less devout than a Simeon, and we think to ourselves, this is really against who I am as a person. I, the gospel and the call of the gospel and the call to be uh, a subject to the, my king and to my Lord, it's really hard and it goes against my nature and it goes against the, the things that I want to do. Many would fall. This word for fall is the same word that uh, was used in Matthew's gospel when it speaks about the house on the rock versus the house on the sand. And the house on the sand, it says, and the, the waves came and, and beat against that house, and great was the fall of that house. The, the house that was, should have been built on the truth, the house that should have been built on the words of Jesus and, and, and rooted in that and sturdy and, uh, and, and kept secure, it was built on sand. It was built on something else, a philosophy of some other sort, and it fell. And, and what they thought was a good Christian life and, and, and a life that they, they showed to people and said, look at me, here I am, this is my house, it fell. They were lost in the end. And, and this is the word here, the same word. He is set for the fall and, and then the rising. Jesus came and his words would be offensive. And he would show the true condition of the heart. But he says here he was set also for the rising. The same word rising in every other use in the New Testament is resurrection. He was set for the new life, the new birth as well. For those, especially I think about the, those in the, the Gentile nations who never had these promises beforehand or never knew of these promises, many of them would experience new life, a new birth. And Israel, the genuine, true uh, remnants of Israel would experience this new birth. The old life. The life of, of being bondage, in bondage to sin. The old life of being under the law would now give way to a rising again. A new life in Jesus Christ by faith. And in verse 35 it says to Mary, Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also. And Luke again addresses the what I would say is like the great humanity that we have, the humanity of Mary, you're going to see these things. You're going to see your own son hanging on the cross and literally a spear being thrust into his side and you see his blood flowing out. But even prior to that, you see the Pharisees who are, are threatening to kill him and have made a commitment that they're going to kill him. And you're going to see the people calling for his crucifixion. You're going to see the people who come to him. And in John 6, we see that when, as he lays out, what does it really look like to be a disciple of mine? Where you want to, you know, to have this, this spiritual food? And so many of them left. They said, this is a hard, offensive saying. I can't come. And, and Mary saw all of these things. And she sees her son, her baby, being rejected by the world and ultimately killed. 
We also read here of Anna. It says a prophetess. And she was of great age. Some think that she may have been even over 100 years old. If you, if you look at the math, it depends on how they worded it here. She was either 84 or she was a widow of, of 84 years, so you know, probably over 100 years old. But when she heard these things, it says in verse 38, And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. She heard these things. She saw what Simeon did. She heard the words. And she herself, who had been praying and fasting, longing for the redemption of Israel, also heard this. And can you imagine the rejoicing in her heart? And then she went out. And she told, he is here. The Messiah has come. The redemption of Israel is here. What is our response? What is our response when we come and we look at the, the child? When we come and, and we sing now, we'll sing about uh, uh, Jesus. We're going to sing of his birth. Uh, at this time, you know, especially we're, we're commemorating the birth of Jesus. We're rejoicing with uh, those who um, rejoice. I think of the angels as they were saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill to all men. As we view and look at the Savior, as we view and look at the salvation of God, the redemption of Israel, the redemption of the world, what is our response, brother and sister? Will you and I then go and tell those who are looking for the redemption? Will you and I go into the world around us and will we tell of this good news? This good news that not just a baby has been born, but a savior has died and resurrected and we now have a new king. Will this be our message? I hope that this is. I, I, I stand before you as one who needs to do that more and more and more. Instead of being caught up in the, in the things of this earth, I need to more and more be preaching the good news to my, my fellows, to my, my co-workers, even as they're talking about the most filthy and lewd things. Am I going to be there and, and just be silent as the darkness grows deeper and deeper and darker? What will you do? What will I do? Will we, as this old woman, and this really throws a, a wrench into the idea that retirement for older people means that I can just coast. Both of these two here were old people. Each one of us, and actually if you look through the, the first two chapters of Luke, who did he, who was it announced to first of all? Not to the rich, not to the, the people in the palaces. It was, it was announced to the, to the shepherds. Low, low on the status. It was announced to a, a, a moderate family, Joseph and Mary. God used them in this. And, and by all accounts, they were either poor or maybe just a little bit into the middle class, but probably more poor than, than not. God is not looking for preachers, although there is a need. God is not looking for uh, people to uh, have a, a, a silver tongue to be able to go out and, or, or who have been taught and, and educated in, in the, the finesse of, of evangelism and so on. He needs people 
of all ages, of all strata in society, of, of all um, stations in life, to, as Anna did, go and share the news. So I would pray that as we look at this story, as we look at the proclamation of, of Simeon as he prophesied, that we also would look at Jesus, not as the little baby, but as the light to the Gentiles, as the glory of Israel, as the Lord's salvation. Amen. Thank you, Brother Thomas, for their power-packed message on the very beginnings of Christ upon this earth as a babe and how God introduced him to this world, God in the flesh. Just a few verses uh, that came to my mind as Brother Thomas was preaching. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and on, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. My dear friend outside of Jesus Christ, is your life going into tailspin? Do you find yourself captive? And you may but not want to admit it. It is because your gospel is not in your life. You have not seen the glorious face of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is able to liberate you as we heard. We have not been given the spirit of bondage, but the spirit of adoption into the family of God, where we cry, Abba, Father. May the Lord bless the word to our hearts, to him be the glory for all his goodness to us in providing for us his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for our sins. I would like uh, just to have uh, one question before we call the choir up here. Did the choir members, did you bring the Christmas carol with you? Can you show, show by a show of hands? Because if we don't have enough, we're not going to have it. Don't be shy. It looks like uh, we may not have enough, so we'll, we'll forego that one. But uh, it was a beautiful hymn. If you want to hear it, go onto Kitchener live stream, and you'll hear it there. So we'd like now, with the uh, help of the Lord, for all the choir members to please assemble, the orchestra members to please assemble up the front. And before you do that, and I forget, please do extend greetings when you return to your respective congregations. I forgot to say that. Thank you.
see him Laugh him to scorn They shoot out their lips And shake their heads
Let's sing it on.
Amen. You have submitted not only your glorious voices, the nimbleness of your fingers, but your imaginations, even your hearts. Submitted to a creative direction formed over many years into this moment, this moment that we have all been blessed with. Inspired by music written by hundreds of years ago, by inspired genius and even deeper by what you sang at the very first song, the, the mouth of the Lord had spoken it. And this morning we have heard it, we have felt it. These words inspired thousands of years before fulfilled by the Messiah. All but the last two, taken from the Old Testament, the psalmist, the prophets, also were stirred by the feeling of God as he, he was rejected, as he was wounded, as his heart was broken, and the pathos of, of hanging with no man, not even God himself, to comfort him as he took my transgression, my iniquity upon him, and as he was gloriously resurrected. Though mocked, and you, you shared us the, the, the infantile reaction of us men as we mock the very creator suffering in our place, and yet the glorious joy of welcoming him, the king of kings, lord of lords. Who is this king of glory? He is worthy. He is worthy of everything you have done for years to this moment, to lay down and worship everything you have, the glorious smiles as you hit those high notes, and as the, you know, everything you laid down. He's worthy, the lamb. He is worthy for us, not only to hear. With our ears, the mouth that spoke in it created our ears, but also our imaginations, our hearts to be stirred as God has hung in our place and has gloriously come to offer you and I glad tidings of great joy. We have heard it. Glad tidings. Let us not only have beautiful voices, but beautiful feet to go and share the glorious good news. The Messiah has come, and he's coming again. May each one of us thrill with the same depth of feeling as we have heard this morning. Not only may it echo not only in this moment, but continue to resonate in our hearts as we share this good news with others also. Before we conclude, we would ask uh, Brother Papagai if you would may perhaps have a concluding prayer, include the meal. As we said, we are all welcome to, to join and partake with us as we rejoice. And uh, we just want to let the older have a moment to, to uh, go ahead and uh, take a, a place in the back room. Others are welcome to join them there, but let them have that first place. And uh, if you have any gluten-free needs, please see the, the, the staff, kitchen staff. They'll be happy to help you. Brother. Um, afternoon services will occur, God willing, uh, we, 
looking for two o'clock. Hopefully an hour and a half will be enough. If not, we'll have to play it by ear. But let's aim for two o'clock for afternoon services. Everyone's welcome to stay. I know there's a very uh, popular venue when we come afterwards around the piano to sing all the rest of the stuff that we didn't sing. So, so we, you're welcome to stay for that. Uh, we have lots of time available for that. But I want one more, um, just note, um, some of, most of you maybe weren't here yesterday at the practice in, in Strasbourg Road, but um, Brother Eric Denzinger has been directing the Messiah for 11 years. And uh, we're so thankful for that, that God has given him the gift to do so. And uh, this is how far we've come. With that, we had Brother Steve Surian before that, and then Brother uh, um, Eric. But there's a time when everyone wants to sort of hang up their cleats, or whatever they could call it in the, uh, in the, in the world. There's a time where he passes on the baton, and uh, we're thankful for that. We uh, give God the glory and the praise for that. But I just want to acknowledge that. And uh, please be in prayer for Brother Daniel Savin, who will be uh, taking on that baton to, to keep on going down the road. So I just want to acknowledge that. Um, so please try to be back by, if you can, by 2 o'clock. And we'll have second services to follow. Thank you. Brother uh, Misha. Let's all arise for a word of prayer. Merciful and loving Heavenly Father, King of kings and Lord of lords, a creator who we depend on, Lord, who we know without thee were nothing. Unto thee we come this morning hour in humbleness, because we realize, Lord Heavenly Father, that if it wasn't thy will, we would not be here. We're so thankful, Lord, for, for he hearing the words of salvation, whether through sermon, through song. We pray, Lord Heavenly Father, that those words would resonate in our hearts, that we would focus and intentionally bring honor and glory to thy holy name through our lives, through the things we say, through the things we do throughout the week, as well as Sunday. We pray that would help us, those that receive that salvation that we heard of, that we would not be ashamed of it, that we would recognize it, that we would lift it up so others can see that we would be that light that needs to be shining to this dying world. Help us realize that we cannot be mixing darkness and light. And help us realize that as many as we are here, we have different needs, but we do have a common need, need for Jesus Christ, and that's salvation. We pray that that would bless Brother Eric as he worked diligently and labored for, for so many years. The instrument players, the choir members, we pray, Lord Heavenly Father, that thou would, as we sung these, these notes and, and these words, that that would help us carry it with us and shine that light. We pray, Lord Heavenly Father, that thou would 
bless the food that has been so diligently prepared, that thou bless the hands, thou bless the love that we, we receive here, bless the West, Western Earl congregation here that they would grow not only in number, but also in love and in spirit. We, pr we pr pray that thou would help us receive those nourishments that would all, we would also think of those who don't have on maybe a regular basis or, or in such abundance. We pray that thou would visit them, thou would give them according to their asking and according to their faith. We pray all these things in the blessed name of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord and Savior. Amen. <laughs>